0: Hi, Corezis. Welcome back. This is your Road to Match Day podcast. I know it's been a while since we've connected. Last time we spoke, everyone was just coming back from mid-year and kind of decompressing from that meeting. But I am so excited to be back today to speak to you about perhaps the most important... Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Resi Prep 360 podcast, the Guys, Road to Match here. Day series. It is time I am your host, Sally Traore-Uwalaka, and this and so is your premier podcast for all things residency. All the the series was designed with you, the, years years, the candidate in mind, to meet your needs and help I guide you through the very convoluted residency process you On each episode, we talk about pragmatic ways to help you secure the position you want and bring you some insight from educators as well as thought leaders in the pharmacy residency space. I am so glad that you're joining us today and that you're here. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell all of your friends about the podcast. It is our hope to reach as many prospective candidates as possible. Thank you so much for being here. Help us spread the word. And please enjoy today's episode. Hello, co resis If you are new here, my name is Sally Treori Ualaka. I am the founder of Resi Prep360. This is a service that focuses on helping you, the prospective residency candidate, prepare and successfully secure a residency position at phase one of the match. I do this by helping you develop a personalized journey by sharing tips and tricks with you that I have leveraged over the years to help other candidates become successful. If it's your first time here, thank you and welcome. Please like and subscribe and leave a comment to tell us how all of these pearls are helping you in your journey to successfully securing a residency. Today's topic is an important one. We are talking about interview process. And my goal here today is to help you understand the goals and purposes of why or programs interested in an interview. And then next to help you understand how, what are the f- major components that you need to focus on as you develop your strategic plan to prepare for a residency interview. And next we are going to work on creating a strategic plan and how you are going to answer each of these questions. So we're gonna talk a little bit about storytelling and how the importance and how to effectively leverage storytelling and your specific story into effectively communicating and conveying to residency program why you are the best candidate for their positions. And so first up, I always think that when we talk about residency interviews, it's very important to clearly understand why this interview is even happening. If we can clearly articulate or clearly understand why programs are interested in engaging with us, this gives us a lot of um Um, ideas on how we can prepare to make sure that we are showing up and that we are representing ourselves well. And so the first thing and first purpose and and goal of a residency interview or any interview for that matter is to learn more intimately about the program. This is where you hear people tell you as much as they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them as well. That's true. And so in order to be able to do that, you have to come to the table with some well-prepared questions that you want to ask the program about them, their mission, their vision, and how they hope to invest in you and helping you become the best version of yourself. The next thing is to discuss your compatibility, your qualifications and skills, especially your fitness for the position. This is where what you have done as a student pharmacist, your accomplishments, um, the practical skills that you've gained, uh, but something that tends to be very overlooked during this interview process or your soft skills. What are some critical thinking skills example? Other times where you've effectively problem solved and things like that that you can talk about to give a program an idea about what they are pretty much bringing on board into their organization. This is something that is extremely important that I find that many, many people interviewing for residencies, they tend to overlook or don't spend enough time preparing for this component of their interview. Lastly, You want to come prepared to address any reservations that a program may have about your fitness and or your compatibility for the program. This is where you want to be self-aware. This is where you want to be able to clearly articulate to the program. These are some of the skill sets that I don't have, and this is why and how residency is gonna help me fill these knowledge gaps. Here are some areas of opportunity for growth that I have either observed personally or that I aspire to fill personally. And here's how residency is going to help me fill these gaps. And so I think that these three things, if you spend time and energy actually developing your prep strategy to effectively meeting the goals in these three goals, you're going to do great on the interview. And so I, I, as, as invitations have started to come in, I want to talk a little bit about how you're going to how you're going to receive those. Majority of your interviews offers are going to come via email nowadays. They rarely ever call anymore. um, But a strategy that is really popular out there that you are encouraged to employ when responding to residency interview invitations is to prioritize and strategically align your responses with how much, just based on what you've read about the program, how much you want to be in this program. What that means is if program X is your number one pick and they want to interview you between February 12th and February 17th and program Y is your second best pick and they want to interview you between February 1st and February 5th or whatever the case may be, you want to go ahead and schedule program X after program Y. And here's the reason for that in my experience, no matter how well you prepare, your nerves are going to kind of take over in some form, fashion for these interviews. You're going to find yourself really nervous for your first couple of interviews. And so you want to schedule those programs that you want to make a really strong and positive impact and impression on. You want to schedule those programs a little later when you've had practice, when you've been through one clinical challenge or two, and you kind of know what you needed to brush upon in order to impress these programs. And so that's the reason why you're advised to kind of schedule your residency interviews accordingly uh, based on how badly you wanna be um, in a certain program or not. The third thing is interview format. Gone are the days where programs are just going to flat out give you an invite for an on-site interview. Now, majority of programs will do either a phone or a virtual interview that usually doesn't last for more than 30 minutes. Um, And on this first 30 minutes call, it's a a, a process for programs to kind of do a preliminary screening to decide if they want to move you to the next round and bring you on their campus. So as such you absolutely have to be prepared to also do well on these interviews. And there are quite a few etiquettes that are required in order to, to kind of make a great impression on these interviews, whether they're virtual or a phone call. The third type that is most common is an on-site interview. Now, I want to warn you already um, that On-site interviews can pretty much take shape in many different ways. And the way you interview for each of these different forms is different. When you are sitting with an RPD and it's a one-on-one interview, how you engage and conduct that interview is going to be slightly different than how you engage and conduct an interview if you have a panel where perhaps it's a group of RPDs, excuse me, it's a group of preceptors and those preceptors want to engage with you and get to know you more intimately. The way you engage in the panel interview is going to be a little different than how you engage in um, an interview that is one on one. The other type that is out there that is rarely used, but I know that some programs continue to employ this either for part of the interview or all of the interview, it's pair or group interviewing style. What this means um, basically is that you, as candidate number one, will be paired randomly with candidate number two. And the two of you will go into an interview with um, either a panel. This tends to be a panel often or you'll interview in front of one person. Um, I've seen case presentations kind of take this format where you present and there's another candidate in the room that sees you present and then they go up and present with you in the room. Um, I've seen this take place in the form of clinical challenge. You're given a case, maybe your cases are different, but you'll present your case in front of another candidate and that other candidate also presents with you present in the room. And so when you're interview prepping, I don't want you to kind of only mentally prepare yourself for the one-on-one style of interviewing, because there's a possibility that you may have an audience of two, three, or four people And. you have to impress a group rather than impressing just one person. This is something I like to always point out as you guys think about and and continue to prepare. So some things for group um, for virtual and telephone interviewing. It is very important that if your interview is virtual, that you sign on early. I think it's really great when the program signs on that they find you on screen ready to go. This is a great sign um, for any program that is interviewing that they, when they sign on, you're already present, you're ready to go. There's no question about whether or not you're prepared and on time, no question. The second thing that I think is important when you are um, doing a virtual or phone interview is choosing a quiet place. And if it's virtual, having a plain background. I know that um, a lot of people like to use the blurry background, but the blurry background can be slightly distracting parts of your body may be cut off and I think that the 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 importance of picking somewhere that is well lit that has a plain background like you see behind me is that there are no distraction there's no artwork there are no bookcases where they see um they can see what your book library contains um there are no artwork distracting distracting artwork behind you or anything like that and it's quiet and it's very well lit where you are the, the, the star of the show. The last thing is about being in frame for virtual interviews. So if you can see how I'm sitting right now, you can see me from the chest up and there's a little bit of space here at the top. This is really great in that you're not so close to the camera that it's kind of like overwhelming but you're also not so far that it seems a little disengaging and so being in frame in um a proportion that makes you not overwhelming or underwhelming it takes practice and it takes figuring out where exactly either in your home or whatever quiet space you picked Is going to be able to give that aura. But I think like it's all part of how you're going to be received because you're not there in person. And um, being received appropriately is such an important component. Please dress professionally. Um, I personally always recommend that you wear a blazer for every interview experience. The reason why I am such a huge um, fan of wearing a blazer is nothing elevates a look professionally the way a blazer does wearing a professional dress if you're in person that's cool but I think that for your residency interviews you should dress professionally and that attire should include a blazer for all of your virtual interviews please wear a blazer it just elevates your look more for the occasion that is right It helps to practice your virtual and executive presence virtually with someone you know and trust. And the things that you're asking this person to kind of critique you on is your ability to give eye contact. Are you giving eye contact through the camera? and is that is that appropriate or what vibe are they kind of getting when you when you do when you do that? like when you give them eye contact through the camera? Um, but I think practicing, Allows you to determine the the best pace, um, so that you're not talking too fast or you're not talking too slow. Um, But it can also help with the cadence of how you articulate yourself. And practicing your pace is going to be one one key 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 component. You do not want people to ask you to repeat what you just said because you're going so fast. Um. Three major categories that you can expect questions from. Now, for this component that I am going to cover, I am talking about here, what are the three areas of interviewing that your residency application and residency interview is going to focus on? There's going to be quite a bit of focus and questions on introductions, introducing yourself, getting some background about you. So the classic, classic, super not creative question of tell us a little bit about yourself. Definitely have a plan and strategy of how you are going to answer this question. It's imperative that as you're preparing your about me, that you keep a few things in mind about that. Remember that these programs are interested in learning about who you are as a person but also all of the different things and practical skills that you have obtained over the years that makes you a fit, that makes you a fit. So while you're preparing, keep those things in mind. The next thing that the programs will likely be looking to you to be able to do is why are you interested in residency? Like, why are you making this move? Why them? Why this place? How can you explain clearly how you decided that you want to pursue this area of pharmacy as a a functional area of interest, but moreover, you've identified this specific program as the best place To give you that training and that foundational knowledge that is going to be necessary to get you on the road to becoming a card specialist, AC specialist, ID specialist, or any of those things for that matter. The third area of prep that you should be focusing on relates to self-awareness and situational based questions. These are the questions that are going to give them a lot of insight about you, how you think critically through problems, how you collaborate, how you communicate, as well as things that have happened in the past and how you've handled those situations to position yourself for success. And so these areas and three major categories are extremely important to to understand. But as you as you're preparing for your interviews, it's paramount that you know what some examples in each of these categories look like for the introductory questions. There's, of course, the almighty tell me about yourself. You will absolutely see this. You will absolutely have this and get asked this question on multiple, multiple, multiple occasions. Um, And we'll cover a little bit of tips on how you answer these questions category questions in in just a little you want to summarize can you summarize your professional journey thus far this is another question that's kind of popular and common that they ask to see how you're able to paint a picture for them about how you got to this point there's of course the just summarize your cv for us what are you most proud of what would you change if anything on your cv or academic career and why So these are some really common questions that are just like really basic background questions about yourself and who you are. Here are some tips on how you should answer these questions. You should strive to answer the questions in no more than one and a half to two minutes. This is going to sound crazy because many of you are going to wonder, how am I going to be able to squeeze all this in on two minutes? Two minutes seems like a really like it doesn't really seem much like much time for conversation. Like when you are having an exchange with another person, two minutes is not a lot. However, when you are speaking, when you are speaking by yourself, completely uninterrupted, you find that two minutes is a really, really long time. Again, this brings us back to our point of practicing. Until you actually practice answering questions under two minutes, you are not going to know what's going to fit and what's not going to fit. You want these interviews to be conversational, you want them to be interesting, you want them to be engaging. So sitting there and speaking for more than 5 minutes while they sit there and just listen to you, that doesn't give them much insight. You want them to ask you follow-up questions and and give you an opp- and and have an opportunity to get to know you better. And for that, you want to give information but also you want to receive it. The second tip I have is to look at your letter of intent for guidance on how to structure your responses. What are some things that you mentioned in your letter of intent as unique learning experiences that were transformative for you this year? Was there a specific experience, a specific patient care experience that you had that made a huge difference in how you look at the place of residency and the significance of residency in your professional goal. Did something like that happen? Did you have a meaningful patient encounter? And you talked about that in your letter of intent. So The point here is I don't want you to minimize the power and impact your letter of intent will continue to have um, on you on on this journey. So look there, start there, really understand what have I already told this program and how can I amplify that or give more details regarding that and be more descriptive about those experiences when I am asked about it start with where you are now. I think that when you're answering questions about your about me, it's great to start with where you are now. Um, I am a final year student pharmacist at X, Y, and Z school. I am currently completing this rotation, which has been great. My journey as a student pharmacist began, right? You can take them through your journey. And let me tell you, from experience, the people who have the best about me, it, it it has little to do with the content except how they structure it. Are you able to structure your responses in a way that the person you're speaking with, they can follow along and and they're not, you're not losing them and you're not skipping from forward and backward, like really practice telling about yourself or your story from beginning to end, um, with different points of where you talk about reflections and things like that. Um, and then the fourth thing is lead with the recent experience gold interest that has led you to pursued residency and you want to close with a fun fact right? You're going to go through this about me question. You're going to tell them how you received this award. You had this GPA. You, you were recognized as exceptional on this thing. And that thing, share something about yourself, share something about yourself. Maybe it's your love of animals. It's, it's your dream of owning a ranch and, and, and just living with animals and raising animals. Um, maybe you have another dream to drive across country. Share something about who you are that is going to give this program some insight and let them know who you are so that they gain a better sense of the person you are more than the person that's on the CV. The why question, right? There are going to be part of your interview where the interviewers are going to be really focused on figuring out if you have clarity of purpose, Why are you applying for residency? Why did you choose them? Um, What are some things that you believe you're going to bring to their residency program? How does residency fit into your overall goal? Where do you see yourself in three years and four years and five years? You must have answers to these and practice answering these so that they are clear. Why are you picking an institution that doesn't have any experience in what you want to do a PGY2 in? It's going to raise eyebrows and it's going to be a point of discussion. So really think about how you made the decision to pick these institutions. Perhaps you met their residents and the residents spoke to you about the, the balance of the program with rigor and support. Maybe you met the residents and they're telling you about their experience with being seen on these uh, in this program. Um, they, they feel heard. They feel like their concerns are taken seriously. And the RPD is a real advocate that they have on their behalf when things kind of are, are, are looking like they're going to derail. But I don't think it's wise for you to go into that interview and you can't clearly state why you picked a particular program. It's very important that you can do that. The next thing is you want to talk about your rotation experiences in a way that is very, very, very impactful. Not every rotation that you have had so far is going to be the best rotation you've had. But a common question that they like to ask is, what is a rotation that's been your favorite rotation so far and why? This is where I think we are going to talk about storytelling to drive your point across. With storytelling, there are really three things you need to focus on. The situation, the action, that you took, really focusing on your behavior and the things that you did. And then lastly, what was the result or the outcome of said action, right? So it's important that you are thinking about each of your rotation and you're drawing from stories of your encounter with patients, stories of your encounter with other students Encounters with providers, whether those providers accepted your recommendations or declined your recommendations. These all are stories that you can use to tell to drive your point home. For example, if they ask you a time where you made a recommendation and that recommendation was declined, what did you do? Um, But I think that to sit there and just answer these questions like, oh, my favorite My favorite rotation was my M care rotation because I had a chance to work closely with diabetes patients. That's not as impactful of a response as the person who's going to take the time and answer that question through storytelling. For example, my favorite rotation this past year has been my ambulatory care rotation. The rotation was in a rural area where there were a lot of health literacy and access and, and access to care disparities. Um, there was this one patient who came in one day and it turns out that she's been to the emergency room on several occasions, complaining that her insulin doesn't work and she wants to get a different type of insulin. So I sat down with the patient and asked her to show me how she administered her, incident, her insulin to herself. And if I, what I realized was that she was not ac- she actually was not connecting the needle to the pin in order to inject herself. So all of her pins had this balloon bulging at the tip of it. In that moment, I knew that the ball was dropped somewhere in effective counseling for this patient. So I sat with her and told her that her insulin pen also comes with these needles and each administration she needed to do this in order to make sure that she was giving herself the medication because she's actually not giving herself any insulin. That's why all of the pens are bulging at the tip. To see that patient's reaction and to see that I had something to share with her that completely changed the course of her therapy That was deeply, deeply transformative for me because that's my goal. I want to be a source of information and an advocate for my patients. And I want to be viewed as a solution-driven pharmacist where my patients can come to me and be transparent. This rotation was my favorite because for the first time, I made an intervention where I knew that this was going to make a, a difference in this patient's outcome because I had no reason to believe that adherence was a challenge for her right so what you've done there was cover what the situation was when the patient came in the action you took and educating the patient and then the outcome and result of that but more importantly you went into what that experience taught you and addressing the second component of the question of what did you actually learn that's basically what storytelling looks like and should be as you're responding to these interview questions Now for the self-awareness and experiential reflections. This is where, um, tell me about a time you did work you did not find valuable and how did you deal with it? This is a common question the program asks because again, not every residency experience you'll be exposed to is going to be this phenomenal experience that you're gonna love, but they want to know how you deal with those situations. And the question of your least favorite rotation and why, Um, what is your ideal preceptor like? So this is about your learning style. This question really goes to the heart of, are you looking for a preceptor that is going to supervise you the entire time because you're still anxious and nervous? Or are you one of those people that thrive on being given great directions and then you'd like to earn your autonomy. As your performance improves, what you would ideally like is for the preceptor to increase your responsibilities as much as well as increasing the level of autonomy that they give you that comes with a lot of trust right preceptors have to trust that you're not reckless you're engaged and you take your job your job very seriously Um, and so being able to articulate what type of preceptorship you thrive under is very important that they can they can assess A time where you had conflict with someone, this could be a doctor, a nurse, or another student, with conflict, you have to be very descriptive about what the situation was and what steps you took to resolve it, the outcome. The thing no one tells you about is with any of these situational based question, the part where you really have the opportunity to shine and nail the question is by making sure that you wrap your answer up With talking about what you learned, what did this experience teach you? How did this experience leave you different? How did this experience improve you? Did did you learn that cutting corners is probably not the best thing to do? Right. So it's important that you're practicing and you're you're you have isolated examples that you're going to go to for some of these. Right. Um, others, other common situational based questions are tell me about one hardship you faced during a clinical rotation and how you handled it. Right. Right. Tell me about a time you made a mistake. What did you learn? How did you correct the behavior that led to the mistake? Very important thing here. Each time they ask you about how, how do you manage stress, right? Um, How did you correct the behavior? How did you make sure it didn't happen again? Your response has got to be very well structured and descriptive and how. Number one, I did this. Number two, I did this. And by doing number one and number two well, this made sure that I didn't find myself in that predicament again. I don't want you to underestimate the power of you being well descriptive when you're faced with how questions like, how do you deal with conflict? That is a question that is going to require you to tell them, what is your approach to dealing and neutralizing conflict, especially conflict that is going to get in the way of patient care? So I want you guys to keep that in mind. Clinical questions and challenges that you may encounter on interviews is the last component of interview prep that I want to talk about the clinical challenges over the years, um, I've seen them evolve. I've seen them go from a series of questions that you're given on the interview to answer to actually being given one patient case where there are multiple medication therapy problems that you are expected to identify. And the way they grade that is, they'll say the case has a total of 5 medication related therapy problems you'll get full credit if you can at least identify all of the problem then you'll get full credit if you can if you can clearly assess and develop a plan for all 5 problems versus 3 versus 4 four out of 5 3 out of 5 2 out of 5 or if you cannot identify any of it the best way there are some disease states that have stayed just king and queens of the clinical challenge when it comes to residency interview right so for example, disease states like heart failure, diabetes, hypertension these are these are like these are like the king and queens of residency interviews. Um, And with infectious disease, it's usually going to be sepsis. But remember that sepsis is a secondary syndrome. So it's either pneumonia, your ability to recognize the etiology, to know if it's community versus hospital-acquired pneumonia, and what the appropriate treatment uh, medications are for that. And the way you get a bunch of bonus points with um, infectious disease-related cases is culture interpretation, appropriate initiation of antibiotics, um, renal dose adjustments, if necessary, but also duration of therapy. Like with ID cases, these are going to be the places where you can score really, really good points in you developing your patient point, your patient cases and, and, and providing them with those medication therapy problems other areas that i have other things that i've seen when they ask multiple questions it's things like what is genomycin's goal peak and trough right um what can cause qt prolongation other than drugs right this is this i think is a really good question because we're so fixated on on drugs on drugs on drugs but this question of what can cause QT prolongation um, besides drugs. Another question is can you give me the pros and cons of using PTT versus fact, factor 10A to monitor heparin use, right? Um, these are really good clinical challenge questions that they could ask you that would all be fair game. Um, when it comes to hypertension, you must know your goals. Diabetes, CKD, essential hypertension, you have to know what the blood pressure goals are for this patient population. Um, For diabetes, the treatment goals of lipid monitoring and counseling is gonna be important. That continues to be one of those overlooked areas in diabetes management. But now also, what if the patient has both diabetes and hypertension? How does that affect your drug selection? Making sure that you understand novel agents that are being used for diabetes and heart failure management, GLP-1s and SGLT2 Please know the pharmacology of these medications, the major counseling points for these medications. When renal dose adjustment is paramount, these are how you're going to prepare and making sure that you nail the clinical challenge component. And I want to warn you about something do not guess on your clinical challenge. Do not guess. If you are unsure about your answer, you can always walk the reviewer through your logic and what your hesitation is to give a straight up response. And also, if you know where to get the answer or where to go look for the answer, do not hesitate in pointing that out. But guessing is a very dangerous game because you're about to become a pharmacist where real patients' lives are going to be in your hands Nobody wants a guessing pharmacist on their team. So simply tell it, I am not certain about my response for this question, but I know where I would go and find it. I may look it up in the drugs monograph under this section. It will tell me exactly what the question is asking, right? The purpose is to see how you think through problems. And the programs are going to tell you that. They just want to see how you think. They're going to tell you that. For many of you, this helps with the anxiety. And for some of you, it's like, well, if it's just how I think, why are we doing this? Right. I want you to know um, it's your ability to verbally articulate how you arrive at your answers. This is where your magic is going to be. If you get the the right answers, that's great. But your verbal delivery and presenting the patient and how you present the patient, this is where you really have an opportunity to wow them. I've said it already, but really review your basic pharmacology and and making sure that you are consistently scoring high in the pharmacology area. When you are asked, what is the mechanism of action of entresto? the mechanism of action of an SGLT2 or a GLP-1? What is a black box warning for the use of a GLP-1 or contraindication for um, any medication? I want you to be ready to go in that arena because we're pharmacists, (laughs) sorry, we're, we're, we're pharmacists and, and we don't, we don't love anything more than a pharmacology table or anything than someone who has their pharmacology down. That, that is how we just really, really love. Not all this is going to be serious. The entire thing is not going to be, oh, so serious, so tense. And so, It won't be. There's going to be a component. Um, Some programs do incorporate where they ask you fun questions. I'm doing air quotations here um, because you're so tense, right? I don't know that you will know to enjoy any of this part, right? But things like if you were a drug, what what drug would you be and why? This is really a personality thing, right? Thinking about what medication accurately describes who you are your personality a lot of people that are the the mood elevators right they would go for ssris every time zoloft continues to top the chart in this area um I've had some people who just said, um, "I don't. I, I try to be the conflict resolution person, so I come in as an anti-inflammatory. I just want to keep everything calm, right?" People get creative in describing how they identify with the particular medication. I had um, someone tell me before that. They 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 think that they would be a vasopressor because they work well under pressure. Like you could see how people take creative stands on some of these. I had some people tell me that they would be doxycycline because they are pretty much put me where you want me and I've got it covered, right? And that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of really fitting when you think about doxycycline and all of the different ways that we use it. Um, but they felt like they identified with doxy and and the fact that it can be used for so many different infections and it can, it's very effective in all of those um, uh, capabilities, right? So think about that. Like if you were an animal, what animal would you be? what is your most prized possession? Right? Like that would like puzzle me where I'm like, ah, possession. I don't know. But, um, people talk about jewelry that they own from somebody that has passed away or a house that was left to them or their childhood home that they now are living in and raising their family in, but things have different meanings to different people. Um, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present who would it be and why I think that this is one of those questions I love so much because it gives you an opportunity to share something very intimate about yourself with them um, I would say here skipped politics and religion um, but really think about make this personal that's what I'm trying to say here um, to have lunch with someone past and future I mean, past or present is somebody's make it personal, make, make, make this, um, a point where they'll get to learn something deeper or something new about you. Um, if you could ask anyone a question, right, who would it be and what would you ask them? Um, use one word to describe yourself. This is a hard question in my opinion, really, really hard question, but, be prepared that someone may be interested in wanting to know what what one word you would use to describe yourself, right? Um, And then there's the current events questions. It could get into current events, right? It could get to like, um, what do you think is a major problem facing the profession? Um, This is an important question and I think you should definitely prepare for it. Um, there's another question that tends to come up. What do you believe is the most controversial issue facing healthcare? The question is not, what do you think is the difficult they're asking you? What do you think is the most controversial issue? Now, when I was helping people prep in 2020, 2021, even in 2022, A lot of people went straight for the mask and the COVID immunizations, which was accurate at the time. And I think it still is um, a thing now that in some parts, um, but you want to really think about a lot here because you know, women's rights um, facing healthcare, abortion right is something that is controversial right now. That is facing healthcare. Um, the cost of medication that is a controversial issue that is facing healthcare right now. But think about or or actually look into what are some things that could come up in the current event section of healthcare or even pharmacy that you may get asked and be prepared or that you're ready to respond to those questions. Um, In conclusion, I want you to know that you need to do your homework in order to do well on an interview. This is not going to be an interview experience that you can walk on campus and you've just got it. Like everything is straight. I know what I want to say, I know how I'm going to say it, and I'm good. I want to caution you against that thinking. I want to encourage you to do your homework on each of these institutions because the way you prepare for an academic medical center versus how you prepare for a community teaching hospital is going to greatly differ. These two institutions offer very different things, and they offer some things they offer similarly. But it's possible that the academic medical center, maybe they focus a lot of their patient population, or um, it's very mixed. But there are a lot of medically underserved and. Cost is an issue, cost of services, cost of drugs, um, patients' access to care, right? Or the patients taking two or three buses to get to your center. So there's a lot, there's an opportunity to engage as a pharmacist um, with public health initiatives, um, immunization centers and immunization events, taking those events into those communities versus waiting for the patients to come to you. So preparing for that interview is going to be different in comparison to preparing for a community hospital that serves primarily geriatric patients where everyone is on Medicare, you know what that covers and you're going to design your services as a hospital to fit majority of those things. Um, But I want to encourage you that about the importance of preparing. There are so many little silent things that you don't realize or conveying big things about you as a candidate. But the more you get in front of somebody and you practice how you're going to answer some of these questions, the better your chances are that you are actually going to do it very well when you're called to do that. As always, I am here to root for you and support you. And I am here to root for you for your maximum success. And that is match at phase one hashtag RxMatchDay is the hashtag that I am following closely and would love to see everyone sharing their beautiful, beautiful announcements of their match. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you want to connect with me, I am on Instagram at ResiPrep360, on TikTok at ResiPrep360, on YouTube at ResiPrep360, and I am on LinkedIn as Sally Treori Ualaka. I am accessible and I hope you can find me and connect with me and send me your questions or comment below and let me know how I can help you match at phase one. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in on this episode of the Road to Match Day series. We hope you learned something new on this episode um, that will help you along your journey to securing the postgraduate position of your dream. Help us reach more prospective candidates by telling your friends, your students, and your colleagues about the show. Next leave us a comment and a review. This helps us identify topics that you find relevant, that you'd like us to get into more or invite more guests to talk about in more detail, or perhaps you want a guest to return because you had so much fun. Don't forget to leave us a comment and let us know all about that. Thank you for listening to the show today and we hope you'll tune in again. Oh, mm-hmm.